Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 533 of the JV Club with my phenomenal guest, Alicia Wainwright. Alicia is the host of the When Science Finds a Way podcast. She's also an awesome actress. There are so many things I want to tell you that she has done, including something that I also have done. And yet, we are on strike, so I will not bring up those things. But rest assured, it's a great episode, a wonderful conversation, and I know you will like it, and I know further that you will end up going to check out her new podcast. It's so great, and we really dig into some of the very cool stories that uh, the podcast covers. So check this out. Hope everyone's doing well, and I'll talk to you next week. Where, uh, where did you grow up? In Florida. In Florida. Okay. Where, uh, where in Florida? Uh, Fort Lauderdale area. Okay. Yeah. Was it, uh, was it, com- did it feel community oriented or did it feel like this is the place where all the kids my age are ready to move somewhere else as soon as they can? Um, well, I mean, I mean, it can be both. It's, it's a pretty, yeah, I was going to say it feels like a pretty mixed bag. My own personal experience, my, I come from a quite a large, um, like, I don't know, like the generation above me was pretty large. My mom's one of nine kids and everyone emigrated from Jamaica to the U.S. and kind of congregated in Florida. And so they built friend groups and then also their own families. So when I wasn't in school, all of my non-school time was with my family, which Mm -hmm. felt like a community. And then I had my school friends that I would hang out with maybe once I got into my middle school Mm -hmm. era. But for the most part, when I wasn't at school, I was with my family, which feels like a very immigrant experience because I see a lot of kids now and it's like all about play dates and trying to because like no one's near their families now. So Mm -hmm. they're trying to foster their own kind of community. It seems so much harder to raise a family that way because you have to do so much more work to find that that community but I got really lucky you know I I had just this you know forced family (laughs) of blood and like and and like play cousins and stuff like that so yeah that's kind of how I I grew up did you feel when you uh because you're not there anymore did you did you feel the absence of that when you did move away when did you like sort of go I'm not gonna be right in front of everybody the way I have been well, for me, I feel like it was when I moved to college. I I moved to college and and it wasn't even really that far away. I, I went to University of Florida, which is in Gainesville. So like northern central Florida. And that felt like a really like great stress test to not only my relationship with my mother, but just can I exist outside of this familial kind of structure? And it it like my mom, my uncle, my aunt, like everyone helped move me up mm-hmm. and get me situated in my dormitory. And it. then, yeah. And then I just felt, I feel like I had just a very deep sense of confidence because of my community. So it made it easier for me to know how I wanted to be surrounded and the kinds of friends I wanted to make. So it was actually, <laughs> it's actually really funny because I lived in a house that we used to jokingly call Ellis Island because (laughs) we were all first gen of every different cultural background. We had a first gen Korean girl, uh, Bengali, 
uh, Cuban, Puerto Rican, and then myself, uh, Jamaican, Haitian. So we really like, you know, had that collective bonding over being first gen. Um, And, and that's just, that's the kind of community I ended up creating for myself. That's wonderful. What, what, uh, what was your high school like? Was it diverse as well? Or was it? Um, I think in this, I, I can only, I don't know if it's like this in many places in the South, but for me, it's almost like a conscious segregation. So it was diverse. If you look at it on paper, mm-hmm. I think my university, my university, my high school had like, um, 4,000 kids in it, I want to say. And across the gamut, you had all sorts of socioeconomic backgrounds as well as cultural backgrounds, but people tended to kind of isolate in their own groups, like very much like if you've seen Mean Girls to the point mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, the sports kids kind of hung out together. But like if all of your friend family came from this one certain cultural background, you tend to also hang out with those people. And for me, I um, ran track and I was uh, in the newspaper uh, as photography editor. And then I did costumes for my uh, musical theater. So yes. I like, I would you knew everybody. That's a lot of different pockets it is, to be. It is. And it was a pretty overachieving high school. Uh, a lot of and very ambitious students. Many of my classmates went on to do, uh, to graduate from incredible universities. And um, it just, there was almost this uh, inherent competition in the community mm-hmm. that I was in, in like the honors program at, at my high school. That was very like people were not ruthless, but everyone understood that if they didn't do the most they could in high school, they couldn't get into the best university, which meant that they couldn't like, I don't know, rule the world. And right. I, <laughs> but I that's a pretty that... big high school for that much, <laughs> for that many people having that sense. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. actually really, that's kind of impressive to me because I, I feel like I went to a big high school, but I, part of that became like the people who were driven were a select group. Uh, even within that, you know, it's like kind of a small group of. I think maybe, maybe I was in a bubble and I didn't even realize it. Like, for example, mm. one of my track mates was also the president of the honor society, and like, you know, someone else in my theater program was, you know, the head of the debate team. So I think, like, if you were involved in extracurriculars in some capacity, you were probably in that bubble. But if you were the type of student that just went to school and then went home, I don't know that I would know you because you weren't kind of in, like we would brush past each other in in the hallway. Sure, Um, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, And so just, I'm sort of like basing this, I'm, I'm, I'm springboarding a little bit off of the podcast that you do. Were you, uh, uh, were you into the sciences? Were you into the kind of um, like, well, I, no, (laughs) (laughs) there's no, there's no, there's no right or wrong answer. No, I was just, Uh, I was actually just genuinely thinking about it. I think I, I had a, I had a fascination with statistics Hmm. and I had, um, I had like a deep love of photography. Um, and I just wanted to know more about it. I felt very like, I I just didn't have the money to get like a really good camera or anything like that. I know. And for a kid and like, I was working at, um, was my first job, uh, 
Cold Stone Creamery, but then I got a job at um, Payway Asian Dining. I don't know if you everything you're everything you're saying. I'm from Arizona. Oh yeah, those so two, you know those two you know. comfortably yeah. made it from Florida to Arizona or Suburban back and forth. Urban paradise. Yeah. You know, we're in the same strip mall <laughs> as Panera Bread and yes, Chili's. Indeed. So yes, indeed. yeah, and Bonehouse uh, Bonefish Grill. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so yeah, I had like. Um, I had some curiosity in math, but I don't really know that I had a strong inclination towards science. I think I, I think I always wanted to be an actor and I was just afraid and no one told me that I should do it, mm-hmm. but I was intellectual. So everyone, especially, you know, in my own family was like, well, if you're, I'm putting air quotes up, if you're smart, then you should go into some, something STEM related or be a doctor or something like that. So when I went to university, I wanted initially to major in something creative, but uh, my mom was like, I'm not going to pay for that. (laughs) So I, um, I had uh, some scholarships, but you know, it didn't cover everything. So I ended up uh, pivoting to botany because uh, I thought it was interesting. And, um, you know, there's some debate now with a lot of people about like whether you even need a college degree. And I think it's an interesting conversation. But something that I do really appreciate about my college is A, it was not very expensive because of um, a lot of um, programs that Florida has to make college very affordable. Uh, but the second thing is in those four years, I I learned so much about what I liked and what I didn't like about the work that I did. And I experienced a lot of different things. I got to travel out of the country for the first time, uh, outside of going to my mother's like home country in Jamaica and my father's in Haiti. So I I feel like college, even if I don't use my botany degree, uh, I was incredibly fortunate to have not had to fork over a lot of money to kind of learn in this transitional period that I think is really beneficial for people. But I, I can relate, you know, if you're, I don't know that I would pay uh, a lot of money to have that experience. (laughs) I would, I, you know, cause I did, I did apply to um, very expensive universities and got in, but just the, like the idea of having to be indebted to those universities for so long, I just, uh, same. I, I couldn't I couldn't do that. But I know some people do. And, and I think in those instances, maybe go somewhere else. I don't know. I think the conversation of college is very interesting right now, I think, with people paying student loans and stuff like that. I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. I mean, I had like the weird, like opposite of what so many people have, which is my parents were like, and in particular, my dad, who was more involved in my life and education anyway, was like, you know, well, of course you'll major in theater. Like you're a theater kid. Like that's what you do because we never had any money anyway. So I think there was just a sense of like, he was happy to pay whatever he could because he was a public school teacher to like get me. But and and it was never going to be an expensive education. So he was very like major in theater. Like yeah. you know, it's going to cost the same as just anything else. But I was the one who was like, I that's so impractical, Dad. That's just so yeah. impractical. I think that's so funny. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah, that is funny. It's a very uh like reverse situation for <laughs> yeah. my own. And I, you know, I look at my peers uh, that I graduated with, and a fair amount have stayed in the 
subjects that they they got their degrees in, but a, a far greater number of my peers do something actually very different from what they went to school for. But -hmm. I think if you were to ask them, they would tell you they're very glad they went to school. And I think a part of that is because they went to a state school that was incredibly fair priced. Like it's very, the price is very fair in my opinion, you know, and I was coming from a family that, I mean, the amount of help I was getting for my mom, like I still had to take out student loans. So but even still, it was, you know, in comparison to some of my friends that went to private institutions, I mean, it's yeah, pennies, pennies. pennies to the dollar. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> um, I love that it was botany, though. I mean, first of all, I, I will have said this in the intro, which is why I just like made a random uh, reference to your podcast as yes. if we had been talking about it. But please know that that always kind of gets front loaded okay. into my intro. But um, but this seems like a, as good an opportunity as any yeah. to kind of talk about it. And um, I'm going to have you uh, give it a little bit of a plug when we play our mash game in a little bit here, too. Okay, but cool. um, but uh, but I love will, will you tell us about the the podcast. So When Science Finds a Way is a podcast that I host with a partnership with the Wellcome Trust where we find innovative and 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 fascinating scientists who have boots on the ground to try and influence change in the public health space. So these are people who are looking in the eyes of of problems. So it's not a high concept sort of podcast where we talk about big picture. It's actually very isolated incidents of where they're actively trying to find solutions to our global health challenges. So it was super captivating to me when it was initially pitched to me. And it was pitched to me in this delightful way because I got an email out of the blue from some um production company I never heard of chalk and blade who's amazing but of course uh-huh. I didn't know at the time and they were like hi can you host our podcast and I was like <laughs> what is this and it's like it's a science podcast I was like how did you know I would like science They're like oh we found your paper that you wrote 10 years ago Whoa. when you were in college and you have the same email <laughs> oh my god that's an amazing story I yeah, love so they that just took a shot in the dark and they reached out to me and their whole sort of pitched to me was we want to make a podcast where we are highlighting countries in the Southern Hemisphere, countries that aren't kind of in the forefront of British and American minds because pivotal, interesting science are coming from those places. So some of the countries that we highlight are Malawi and Brazil and Fiji and all of these wonderful landscapes where you can actually impact people on the ground with meaningful solutions. So the podcast kind of highlights these four pillars that are the sort of flagships for the Welcome Trust. We focus on mental health, something they call climate health, which is really interesting. It's not necessarily climate change, but how climate change impacts human health and um, infectious disease. So obviously we just went through a pandemic. So things like that, pandemics, epidemics, and finally, um, da, 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 uh, what they call um, sort of discovery research. So um, <laughs> this was probably the hardest pillar for me to understand. But the basic way I explain it to people is they find 
geniuses and they just give them a lot of money and just let them do whatever they want. And usually whatever <laughs> they want to do is super fascinating and really impactful in this very beautiful way. It's kind of this unrestricted, mm -hmm. if money was not an obstacle, like how would you change the world? And you kind mm -hmm. of watch these incredible people do fantastic things. What, how amazing that <laughs> this, these journeys are being shared in this way. And I'm so, I, I don't know, that's just, extra, it's so inspiring. Like, and the way you describe it, you know, there, I think there are, there are some like podcasts or television shows where you do sort of get this like lofty 30,000 foot view. Mm -hmm. And this, I think the hardest thing about that, especially in today's news is that you sort of just end up feeling like this is all too big and too, there's just it's like too big to grasp too big to understand too big to impact and you get left with this sort of like nihilistic feeling where you know young people are just like what's the point like oh, yeah. I don't see like show me something because mm -hmm. everything you're saying just sounds so final and it feels like you know we're just like there's not enough we can do to impact and so seeing these individuated impacts and like telling the story in a smaller space, like we need more of that because that's the way that we're all reminded like, oh, yeah, I'm a human and I'm part of probably a bunch of different communities that all like we were talking about even with high school. Like, how do these things connect? Are you the connective tissue? Um, is it the thing you're into? Is it your work? And feeling like you can be like boots on the ground, so to speak and and see something that's bigger than that that is is smaller and bigger than just like this conceptual like thing that you that we're talking about or worrying about i think high level has a place if you've never heard of the sure. subject matter if you sure. crawled out from your rock and you never heard about climate change High level is such an appropriate way for you to get your baseline knowledge and then also your innate anxiety of, wow, what are we supposed to do about this horrible thing? And I think people really get stuck there. They get stuck and arrested and they're just like, well, I don't know you know, someone's screaming at me for using a plastic straw. I don't really feel like it's making a difference because, you know it's so smoggy where I live or, you know, yeah. people are getting sick from the water. It's, it's tainted. And like, you hear all these horrible stories of mass floods and, and I mean, gosh, if you look in the news today, like it's just horrible, the things that are happening in the world. And I can appreciate that sense of anxiety. What I love about our podcast is we find captivating people who are rising above that nihilistic sense of there is no point. And they do that because they have resources. And in these resources, I'll give you a fantastic example of one that I think gave me the most anxiety, um, antimicrobial resistance. Antimicrobial resistance, if you're not familiar with it, is essentially you get a bug, you go and you um, get ant uh, antibiotics and they don't work. And uh, as a child who grew up in a family where my mom took a more holistic approach to medicine. If you had a tummy ache, she wouldn't give me medicine. She would give me a tea or, you know, there was always this sort of kind of herbal approach that she would take. And she had a pretty firm opinion about antibiotics. Don't use them unless you have to, because then you will one day not be able to take antibiotics. And I thought it was a very like solo person. I control this thing. What I learned in doing research for our episode on antimicrobial resistance is it has nothing to do with one person. Everyone has to feel that way about antibiotics because if everyone's using antibiotics, the bug is changing independent of you. You get the bug. 
you've never taken an antibiotic before, you go and you take that antibiotic and it doesn't work. That's horrifying. Once I realized that, I was like on the floor, what's the point? I never want to go to a hospital. I've heard so many times of people getting these like horrible infections that they just can't, any uh, antibiotic that they use, they can't affect it. Well, I interviewed this doctor, Dr. Anand Anand Kumar, and he has this company called Bugworks. And they are pioneering the research on the next antibiotic. And Mm. what's happened is, I don't quote me on the years, but like, let's say the last antibiotic wasn't created in the last like 40 or 50 years. So we've been using the same stuff and there hasn't been any meaningful innovation, which means that very soon every bug we have, there's not going to be a way to kind of attack it. And so his research is rising above that anxiety to find an actual meaningful solution. And not many companies really want to do that because it it costs a lot of money to make that innovation. But what I appreciate about having conversations with these truly remarkable human beings yeah. is that they just are in their silo working towards an answer. There are issues with, you know, overheating and markets in in parts of Africa. Okay, we're going to figure out how to sustainably cover these markets with these locally sustainably um, uh, designed kind of covers so that these markets, we can reduce the amount of heat that, that they're uh, experiencing. Like, heat is something that will probably kill us all before anything else. Like, so I understand anyone listening is probably like, girl, like you're not making me feel better. I get it. But when you listen to my podcast, what you will hear is these are things you need to actually be concerned about and you should feel better because this person is working on it and a community of people just like this person are working on it. And if you want to get inspired, be inspired by them. Don't be inspired by someone who is like, I can't do anything about it because you, you actually can. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I, yeah, I think that something that just like hit home for me just then as you were about to kind of say probably a more concise version of what I'm about to try to garble through, but is just the idea of like, you are not the smartest, like all of you. And listen, I have some very, very smart listeners. So for those of you who are in the sciences who are doing this exact thing, you can tune out. You're good. You're fine. (laughs) But most of us are not the smartest person in the room as regards the kind of work that you're talking about. And as long as there are people who have not given up at all and in fact are excited about what they're working on and what they're working on is this and they know what they're talking about, then there's no reason for me or you to give up because the minds that understand this best aren't going, cool, you know what? Let's just like all have a rave and like wait for the world (laughs) to end. They're not doing that. So that in and of itself should tell us like, wait, it ain't over. What are you talking about? Come on. Like, you know, this is inspiring. It is inspiring. And I think, you know, scientific innovation is so fascinating because it does take an incredible community of minds to make a really impactful innovation. I will say, like, it's not all roses and daisies when you think about the stop gaps of things like governments and political stuff. So, like, that is a real barrier for a lot of things because many, many times science will tell you one thing and you just can't get whatever community organization or whatever to influence that change in a meaningful way. So I can appreciate people who feel frustrated by their own 
governments, their own communities. And it's in this mind space that, again, you do have collective power in your knowledge because your knowledge and your voice can be you mean you can go on Twitter, you can go on threads and do that if you want, or you can actually influence with your vote and you can influence in in this sort of like platform for change. And so I do think like there are a lot of aspects that I get frustrated with that are like, okay, I understand the science. I understand, for example, the meaningful ways in which things have to change, but it sounds like if there isn't a sort of... Mm, mandate or something like that to kind of curb something that's bigger than us, maybe a larger yeah. company or organization. How are, how are we really going to do anything about this? And there are people who are doing that. And I just think um, what's interesting is this sort of policymaker or scientist. So someone who is so applied that they're even willing to bridge that gap and go yeah. and try and influence policy. And I think that those people are probably some of the most interesting people because they're incredibly knowledgeable and they're currently on the ground doing things. And then they're going back to the policymakers and working with them to create sort of progressive mandates to better help the global community's health. Yeah, absolutely. Ugh. This is a very satisfying conversation. I can't believe I'm about to ask you a little bit more about your high school years <laughs> after all that before, before we get into this MASH game. Were you, you talk about having the different friend groups and the fact that there was a lot of ambition happening and, and some, um, you know, good natured competitiveness and all of that kind of stuff. Um, did you have time to sort of date and, you know, do that kind of thing? Or yeah. was that more, yeah, you're like, oh, I, yeah. Um, I had... In high school, I had one boyfriend that I dated for like a year and a half from 10th to 11th grade. And then my, no, I think, I can't remember, but I think we broke up when we went just before prom. Uh, and I, I was the only boyfriend I had. Um, and I was so awkward. It was also a little strange my, like I said, my uh, high school was pretty diverse. If you were to look at it on paper, there weren't very many black students there. It was mostly Hispanic, mostly white. And then in the sort of honors program community, uh, it was mostly white. And so there weren't a lot of people who looked like me to date. And uh, most people didn't want to date someone who looked like me. So it was actually quite interesting navigating dating to the point where when I had met my high school boyfriend, he was like the whitest white guy that ever existed. Like uh -huh. from Wisconsin, like went hunting. <laughs> yeah, so like... sorry. Being from Wisconsin is perfect. Like it, it, I couldn't, I couldn't pick a better state if you were going to introduce it the way you just introduced Especially it. being from Florida. Like, you know, like he like went hunting with his family and like, you know, um, like I remember he came back from visiting family and like gave me like cheese curds and I was like I, wow this is so culturally different than anything I know coming yeah. from my Jamaican family but like he was in marksmanship and um like JROTC and I met his best friend and when uh I met him he looked at my boyfriend and said oh she's not that black and I was so like 
genuinely confused because it took me until I went home and really thought about what conversations led to that statement. It was probably he was being told that he shouldn't date someone like me and then met me and somehow in his eyes, I became okay. And I think these sort of what a loaded, what a crazy, like you could really spin out thinking about all the moments that kind of lead up to that and what it could mean. Jesus. And we did have some conversations about it, but I was so un- unequipped to discuss race. I think in my mm. family, uh, my mom never really identified. It's kind of bizarre to say, but she never really identified with being black. She identified with being Jamaican. And I think I inherited a lot of that, which left a huge blind spot in my understanding of how to have discussions about race because I always equated my race to my culture. And uh, it wasn't until I actually graduated high school or excuse me, graduated college that I really surrounded myself with a beautiful community of black people to help me navigate my own black identity that is black and not necessarily Jamaican. It can be whatever it is but I didn't have the tools so when I was dating my white boyfriend in high school I just sort of ate it I ate a lot of weird things that people said to me and and uncomfortable things that they said to me without fully understanding why they made me uncomfortable or even having the tools to talk about them which is kind of sad but I think in many ways people have these sort of moments especially black people or black people who some people say like sound white or are like white bread or however you want to label a person, which is just so unfair, but it's a way people try and categorize someone. But for me, it was actually quite challenging because I wish I had had more of an experience of blackness earlier on. And I think it would have given me the tools to have more healthy conversations rather than internalize a lot of that like passive racism. I I cannot tell you how I mean, I'm not saying that it happens every other episode, but this is such a common thing from, you know, of course, my sort of self-selecting group of people who I tend to talk to, who tend to be artistic and who tend to, you know, be drawn to or come from these certain places. But that's um, I mean, I've just heard so many times people saying like it wasn't until college that I my, my sort of whole perspective and lens that I looked back on my childhood or teenage years or both with with respect to like how much information I had about race or I mean, that's just so that's such a common experience. And I think it's really good for people to hear that so that for those people who are in a position where they can do something to change that, whether they're interacting with young people or you yourself are a young person for my younger listeners, um, just knowing that that's, you know, and that some of it is well-intentioned or just utterly ignorant but not coming from a negative place and then some of it is very much coming from a sort of conscious place that is something that we need to very much fix or improve upon um it's just it's just i I appreciate you sharing that because that's that's definitely something that comes up um not rarely you know yeah and i you know i i think every shade of people experiences unique points of view on race coming from where they were raised to the households that they lived in. And I know people from all spectrums, you know, be it even 
people who are white passing but come from very different ethnic backgrounds than like a traditional white American, they experience a lot of stuff where they feel like someone said something racist to me, but they thought I was white. So they just thought it was okay to say, but like, I'm Armenian. Like you can't, it's like, I don't agree with what you're saying, but I actually didn't have the tools to like advocate for myself because it's, I didn't know how to process what I was feeling. Like these are things that I can appreciate that a lot of different types of people feel. So I also appreciate you using your platform to have people share these experiences of their youth, because I think it's important for people to a, understand that they're not alone. And there's so much camaraderie I have with people who have, have had a shared experience to me or even something like that I never even conceived or even that I was a part of. Like I, I grew up ex- incredibly religious. My family is a Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. And so I was raised at one stage of my life going to church four times a week. And, you know, you are indoctrinated with a very specific set of beliefs. And I walked around with those set of beliefs, which I now I don't agree with. But at the time, I probably said and did things that hurt other people because it didn't have a inclusive and open perspective on humanity. And for that, I can openly recognize that I have had growth. And it that growth did involve me distancing myself from my religious background. But I think if I can say that out loud, that I have grown, I think there are a lot of people, particularly that young man who said that I wasn't that black, so it's okay. I hope somewhere down the road in his life, he has realized that saying something like that is not okay. And you can only hope that people grow because otherwise what's the point of life? I remember I was in a therapy session and I was telling my therapist, like, I'm actually good with learning. I don't want to learn anything else. I want to live. And she said, what is the point then? Yeah. And I was like, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) It makes sense that like, I completely understand like that moment because I would hazard a guess that that is not a feeling or a sentiment you were walking around with 24 seven. Like I know myself and the, I would define myself as the person who doesn't want to learn, who just wants to live. Like that's coming out of a specific moment. It's coming out of specific experiences and like whatever triggers that. Um, I totally have been in that space with that (laughs) feeling where I'm like, I'm so tired. (laughs) Can I just exist and like be present and can't that be enough? And you know, all of that. So I definitely, I feel like, yes, I have very much been in that place. And then it's, but that is a very hilarious thing to hear you say after the breadth of the conversation that we've had up to this point where like, you're all like, it's so about like expanding the mind and like understanding walking in other people's shoes and all of that is just learning, 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 learning. But in the context of that moment, like, yes, a hundred percent. For many people in all different ways, life is hard. And I understand the people who like throw their hands up and they're just like, like I want to do, I want to sleep, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, like absolutely. life is really hard. I, I get that. I absolutely get that. I experience bouts of, of feeling withdrawn and not understanding basically like how to process everything that I've learned. But in those moments, there's thankfully someone in my circle or my therapist or someone, or just, you just move out of it. That helps you realize like there is value in constantly expanding yourself because take my therapist's perspective to the to the extreme say you never learned anything 
like what would your life look like? Yeah. You probably wouldn't do very much. You wouldn't get very far. You'd probably do half a day. Because if you look at an entire 24 hours in your life, you usually learn one thing. And like you yeah. may or may not do something with what you learn, but you do typically learn at least one thing if you're sure. living life, you know? Sure, sure. So I'm, gl- I'm glad. I'm glad that that – I'm glad you didn't have a therapist who was like, agreed, dismissed, you are yes. off the hook. <laughs> Take the big sleep. It. Just relax, <laughs> you know? No. Exactly. <laughs> she's, she's wonderful. Oh, I love it. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hi, uh, this is Lori Kilmartin. And I'm Jackie Cation. And we have a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show on Max Fun. And it's very exciting because what do we talk about? Comedy. Stand-up comedy. We both do stand-up comedy and have since the dawn of well, Christ. Jackie. Is that offensive? It is offensive to me because you've aged me. <laughs> Uh, we started in the late 80s, and we're still here. You can't kill us. So go to the Jackie and Lori Show on Max Fun and listen to that. The Jackie and Lori Show. New episodes Monday, only on MaximumFun.org. Greatest Trek is the podcast for all your modern Star Trek needs. It's funny, informative, and now it's also timely. That's because every Friday, right after the release of a new episode of Strange New Worlds, Picard, Lower Decks, Discovery, or Prodigy, we bring you a review of that episode. There's some great new Star Trek coming up, and we're going to cover all of it. You'll like our show because we're both former video producers, so we bring a lot of insight into the production and filmmaking aspects to these episodes. And we also have a very refined sense of humor, so we make lots of delightful fart jokes along the way. So come see why Greatest Trek is one of the most popular television recap podcasts on all of the internet. Subscribe to Greatest Trek at MaximumFun.org or in the podcast app you're using right now. I'm going to do this MASH game with you. Did you ever play MASH? As a um, yes, it's you know the, it like, um, the, I'm doing the hand motion. Well, you're doing the, now, like... now this is, this is the conversation, right? You're doing the fortune teller, uh, folded paper and the mash is the mansion, apartment, shack, house. Yes! I get lists of things from you mm-hmm. and then the universe magically tells us which one of these, each things you're going to get. So it's, it's a... in this corner of my brain. Like yeah. as soon as you spelled out what mash stood for, I'm like, I at all the immediately what I saw was loose leaf paper yep. and a pencil that was dull yep. and like cross legs on a floor. <laughs> so <laughs> that is it in a nutshell. That yes. is it in a nutshell. So, yeah, so this is like fun kind of wish fulfillment, uh, uh, leaves you with a good taste of like, oh, th- I, there's a bunch of stuff I really love that, you yeah. know, we sort of come out of this from. So okay. the first one I'm going to ask is uh, let's do a place in the world, whether you've been there or not, we're going to assume the, the best of all uh, cases, uh, that you would love to have a, a, another home that we could sort of teleport you to, that you can just be in that space, whether it's a vacation mm-hmm. home or it's in the middle of a bustling city, totally up to you, three. Three of them. Mm-hmm. And then you'll end up with one at the end. Mm-hmm. So I would say, um, does that have to, so the city, I would say like somewhere in the woods in uh, South Island, New Zealand. Oh, yeah. Yes, indeed. And I have been there and it is great. It is so beautiful. Ooh, I would say... Let's pick somewhere I, I've never been before. Maybe like Lagos, Nigeria. 
Sure. I think would be pretty cool. I've never been there, but it's on the list. Great. And then hmm, the first other place that comes to mind is a place I love very much, Bali. So we'll say like North, I'm going to be specific enough to say like North Island, Bali. Great, great, great. Okay, perfect. All right. uh, Next category, let's do three movies that you can jump into whenever you want. And you're not reliving the plot. It's just that world, whether that's, you know, autumn in New York or it's, you know, uh, Star Wars. Like it's, there's no, nothing is off limits. So, and you're safe. Nothing's going to happen to you. Okay. Well, the first three things that come to my mind is Marie Antoinette. Amazing. Ugh. Weirdly. Sumptuous. This Sumptuous. Would be, I know. I want cakes and pretty dresses. This one's not right, but it would be funny if we ended up picking it. Uh, Gattaca. Do you remember that movie? <gasps> I absolutely okay. do. So that would be a hyper weird futuristic world, um, but I would definitely want to live in it and see what it's about. Absolutely. Um, and then the third is, uh, let's say, like Little Mermaid. Great, great, great. Okay. Next one is uh, three foods that we are giving you unlimited access to. You're going to be able to have it at the snap of your fingers, and there are zero ramifications, neither to yourself nor the world, ecology, all of that's like in this magical world, no one's getting hurt, and you're not. it's not like too sugary or too this or too that. And it could also be something that, you know, you've had once, but you're like, I, I can't, I've never been able to find that perfect soup that I had at that, in that one place when I was traveling. So three things. So, um, this is one thing that I eat or I imbibe. And every time I do, I feel guilty about it. And I hate our culture for making me feel this way. Pina coladas. <laughs> I want to be able to have a pina colada and not feel freaking bad about it. Yes. Um, the second one is a cherry ice box cake that my grandma used to make yes. and Wonderful. um i have been on the hunt for a recipe that can match it for a very long time but she's passed but i would love yeah. specifically if she made it for me yeah. um and then you know i went to the uh, this incredible the the nicest meal i ever had was at this three Michelin star restaurant that I got taken to on a date and uh, <laughs> it was better because it was free too. And it was just this amazing, amazing dinner at Bennu. So it would be the entire gajillion course meal <laughs> that we had <laughs> at Bennu. <laughs> uh, gajillion. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Next one, MASH. Uh, you're talking about a date. I might as well let that segue into the inevitable romance category. And this can be a real person uh, from history. It could be a cartoon person. It could be uh, a character that, you know, we know this actor to play, um, but you're getting the real person, not the actor, that kind of thing. Like whatever you want, that's also unlimited. Um, and this is not someone I'm committing you to for a lifetime. This is like, this can be a short or a long as a fling as you want. I feel like let's go like old school OG, like Alexander the Great. Like, let's just, I would be fascinated to know what that would be like. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I almost want to say like Alexander the Great slash Genghis Khan, like, <laughs> but you know, I feel like I wouldn't have a unique experience. Genghis Khan apparently I was going to say, you wouldn't see much of him. You yeah. would not see much of him. Maybe that's a good thing. Uh, okay. Who's like a real like lover? Like, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know, oh gosh, like I'm trying to think of like, who's like a great romance lover writer. Gosh. Um, I was like, well, he's not into women, so I can't pick him. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I mean, maybe in this universe he is. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, right. Can, maybe I, I want to be like a close personal friend of James Baldwin. Like, oh, yeah. even if it's yes. like a platonic yes. uh, rapport, um, I could life partner with James okay. Baldwin. I'm that putting him down delightful. here. I think that's great. Um, and the final person was like a great like rock, like like <laughs> like 1950s. Like, yeah. Let's see. What about like, what like Abraham Lincoln? Yeah, come on. What a dear man. Yeah. <laughs> what a dear, dear man. I love it. Okay. These are great. I mean, these are some great figures. I cannot wait to see which one you end up with because yeah. that is a very <laughs> different experience depending on who it is. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, next category. Let's do... Um, Let's do, we give you, it's almost like, I don't want to say we freeze time because that's kind of weird, but in a way it is kind of like we freeze time because you don't have to deal with like the FOMO of like your life going on without you, but Mm -hmm. it's like we freeze time so that you have a month or even maybe a little more to sort of dive into something and something you're interested in. And it's like, don't worry, you didn't lose time doing this. We just sort of like gave you the opportunity to either learn this skill or see and experience this place or maybe even travel in time or something like that. Like we're just giving you this like pocket of time to do with uh, focused on one thing, three. Does that make sense? I've never done this category before. And I'm really good at it. You will be, you, you will, the process of you learning it will be so fast that you'll be amazing at it, like to be able to enjoy it within okay. that period of time okay. and then go, going forward. For immediately dark matter. I want right. to, I want to spend a month understanding dark matter to the point where I could potentially travel through different universes because uh, that's a real thing. Um, and then I want to go to, I would go to pastry school like culinary school yeah. uh hard pivot but also equally fascinating absolutely um, and then finally uh i would um i would love to like go some <laughs> this is actually something that could be a reality you know with the strike and everything i've been thinking about maybe volunteering at the local children's theater yeah. um but i would i would want to like direct a children's play i love this okay that's great all right next category three let's do uh three well actually i would love to hear you um talk about traveling through time now i would say in large part going backwards is not great for most people but (laughs) is there a time knowing that like maybe it's not that pleasant but you're in a safety bubble like is there are there three times that you have a curiosity about that you would like to have been able to sort of witness some moments of with your own eyes well i've been doing a lot of research for a project around the eight like 1800 mark specifically 1802 Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it is fun when you do these in-depth research projects on a certain time frame because you just have no idea what it was really really like like you can have a picture painted but you don't actually know what it was like and I think specifically that would be fantastic to learn about in real you know real time great so I would say that uh I would say I mean let's put it right at zero bc slash ad like I do want to know if Jesus was all that then, like, uh-huh. was that really what people really thought? And how did that, how did that expand knowledge wise? Yeah. I think a lot of people don't really think 
about how it came to be so globalized then yes yes our whole time frame is is about that (laughs) great point great yeah that would be kind of interesting um and then i'd take it all the way back like dinosaurs you know yeah why not I got you in a safety bubble. You might as well just get all around those. Yeah, I want my like my safe Jurassic Park. (laughs) Yes. I just had the I had one of those um, like really silly. I it seems like I should be like high because I'm having this thought moments. But it absolutely was me 100 percent sober, which I am almost every moment of the day and night Um, (laughs) where, you know, there's like this ridge at the top of one of the hills in my neighborhood where you can see, you know, some of some part of the city. And I just had that sudden like feeling of like, God, I just why do why are we capable of having these dreams where we're flying, where it really feels like we know what that would feel like? Mm. And I'm not saying that that's based on anything real, but the for the maybe the first time, it seems like I should have had this thought before. But for the first time, I sort of had the thought of like, I don't know, maybe there is some like ancient, you know, sort of shared cellular memory from before we were who we are that is like we do you know things that sort of evolved from even if we were just like soaring flying squirrel mammals or something like I like wondering if there's something that's more genetic than just like our imaginations like at play because so many people share that kind of like when they fall asleep they dream that once in a while you know I envy you so much because I have never dreamt of flying I have only dreamt of falling and that is so annoying and typically my dreams are hyper realistic like they're not got it it's just it's like I've I'm I have dream envy of of people (laughs) who can transport to another reality it's like my reality is like a version of my own life and this is boring (laughs) like I don't want to be here (laughs) I can't believe I accidentally brought up uh dream FOMO without any intention to do so well listen you're not going to need dreams because you will have had like if you've gone and seen real dinosaurs you're good (laughs) even if your dreams are reflecting I'll sleep I'll have a very deep black sleep yeah (laughs) exactly exactly okay last two categories uh let's do um a character or a person from history that you get to be friends with and I know we sort of covered this territory like when you brought up James Baldwin if you want me to put him down twice I'm happy to do that that increases your chances um but yeah is there is there a character from literature or you know a person that you're like yeah to just suddenly have like time and space create an opportunity for this person to be in my life yeah great I'll take it um the first one is probably Cleopatra great agree Eleanor Roosevelt that's this I'm just first that comes to mind Appreciate. Uh, and um probably like Harriet Tubman made that that trip so many times. Like I would just yeah. want to kind of watch her do it once and Absolutely. just listen to her on that journey. Absolutely. Okay. Final category. Let's give you a space in your home or even uh, wherever you happen to be uh, where there's a, a, a sort of extra magical room that isn't taking up space but can be as big or as small as you want. And you're still inside the house, but you might be in a forest or you might be in a spot or you might be just like in a room with crafts. You know what I mean? Like what what extra room would be fun to have? Three. Uh a masseuse room Great. where there was always a person there to give you uh, head scratches, oh. shoulder massages, hand massages. Those are my oh. favorite things on the planet. Yeah. Um, yeah so if me- someone was only doing my shoulders and neck forever, I would be like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> the rest of my body could chill. That's fine. It's so fine. I I love that idea. <sighs> the second would be sort of a this is such a dorky thing to say, like a um a think tank for uh of of the greatest minds uh yes. to be able to um create you know i'm just basically like if i could if i could take every person that just however this room wanted to quantify them that was smart enough to be able to figure out a way to practically reverse climate change to figure out how to do that. Um, and if it means pulling people who are like CEOs of prominent companies, they're in that room yep. <laughs> and their only task <laughs> Great. is to figure out how to stop it. I think that would be cool. <laughs> I love it. Not dorky at all. Very, very, very wonderful. Uh, and what's your final one? Uh, final one is <laughs> um, an atelier of Chanel. Um, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Scaparelli seamstresses and designers to uh, constantly make wardrobe for me to a stroll out of the home in. <laughs> I love it. I love that you could have been like an atelier full of like unspecific designer, like whatever I want. Yeah. And you're like, no. No, I only want one thing and it stinks if I need a, if I need something that's not bad because that's (laughs) what I'm getting. (laughs) You're going to get so tired of it. Okay. Give me a number between one and 10. Four. Great. All right. I'm going to do what I can only be described as extremely complicated math to figure out uh, what you're going to, which of these categories you're going to like, what things you're going to end up with in these categories. Will you take the moment to just tell people where to find you, um, refresh us on the podcast, anything else you would like people to be aware of? Uh, You can find me on Instagram, TikTok. I'm even dabbling in YouTube. It's either my full name, Alicia Wainwright, uh, I think it's Alicia Wainwright on most platforms. I actually haven't thought about it. Um, And also I host a podcast. It's called When Science Finds a Way. And if you're interested in the innovators who are taking their applied research and putting their boots on the ground to impact our most challenging global problems, check out our first season. All episodes have been released. I have very intellectual, but also fun and empowering conversations with some of the brightest minds of our time. Wonderful. And the fact that they found you in part based off of an old paper you wrote is part of the the lore of this podcast that (laughs) I will never forget because I love it so much. Okay. In the meantime, I have been cranking away uh, all the cogs and gears and clicks and magic uh, with a K that's been going on. Um, First of all, I want to just very much congratulate you on your beautiful apartment in uh, Bali on the North Island in Bali. Um, so please enjoy that. Uh, it's an apartment. Sure. That we don't know how big or small it is, but I want you to know that you do have, um, in any place that you're in also the secret masseuse room. So that's very Bali, actually. It is right. (laughs) Head scratches galore. Head scratches galore. Whether you are, uh, in Bali present at, uh, sand and surf or elsewhere or anywhere else in your life, it's 
always okay to have a pina colada. <sighs> Nothing bad is going to happen. This is all very great. <laughs> it's, it's, all it's too perfect. real. <laughs> it's all here for you. Uh, that is very exciting. I, the idea of you visiting the dinosaurs and sipping on one is extremely amusing to me. Um, <laughs> you can take one with you as you see uh, this amazing part and cycle of the Earth that we are, are so connected yet disconnected from. I'm very, very excited uh, for you to see that with your own eyes. Um, speaking of things that I feel both connected and disconnected from, your buddy Cleopatra is going to be very intrigued by all of this and is going to have some interesting wisdom and life experience to share. Yeah, I bet she would. Well. She may hog the masseuse. That's my only yeah, concern. I know. I she feel may like it have expectations of, about the masseuse. I know. I didn't fully think that through. <laughs> um, and if, as if that weren't enough, let's go ahead and stay in this uh, kind of overwhelmingly amazing place uh, by pairing you with Alexander the Great. So that's also happening. There's just a lot of high status characters. I know. I was like, I'm the odd one out. I've created a very, a very imbalanced. So they're going to kick me off the island. Cleopatra and Alexander will steal yeah. my masseuse room and yeah. my pina coladas. Yeah. Well, I have two things that you can escape to that I don't want you to even have to worry about it. Because if you want to, you can jump inside of Gattaca and have that whole futuristic place which, again, yeah. to your point, you picked a really interesting future with a lot of problems. <laughs> I know. I Well, it's funny. I just I when I play games like this, I do love to do, go to what first comes to mind. No, I do my too. own detriment. It's the spirit so. of the game. And I yeah. love it. Um, and no, I mean, listen, I've, I could actually have a long conversation with you about that movie, but we're out of time. So um, but yeah, I'm very I'm actually very excited that you got that. And then as if that weren't enough. Let me go ahead and put you back into the frame of the great minds and characters of uh, our time and other times because you have solved dark matter for yourself. Yes! Which kind of trumps everything else. So I mean, honestly, that I can just, this, I can take mash and make it a different mash. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like the, the wishing for more it's wishes. You've wish. got all yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, I exactly. got it. Yeah, exactly. So I hope that that is a satisfying mash outcome for you. It I is. think it's kind of wonderful. It's and amazing. <laughs> every step of the way with a pina colada, which sounds so good now that you've brought it up. Oh, I love a pina colada. But <sighs> so again, refreshing. it's like, I think maybe it is why you love it so much because again, societal indoctrination has made me think they are bad. And so I, I cherish them when I have them. Yeah. And there is something to be said about once you can have something with reckless abandon, if you like them as much anymore, you know, Agreed. Like there's something Agreed. that's the, true. That's true. Yeah. You may find out, but listen, you can do it as much or as little as you want. That's a nice thing. It's not like we're force feeding you these pina coladas. So it's still up to you. That would that sounds scary and like <laughs> indigestion, but yes. <laughs> and a little sweet, a little yeah. sweet. Um, Alicia, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Uh, this thank has been you. a pleasure. I uh, could not be more confident that people will be checking out the podcast uh, of your own. Um, well, I hope they do. It. I hope love they it. do. Thank you so much for giving me the time and you're a delight. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, you're number one. We could save kittens from trees. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network. Of artist-owned shows. Supported. Directly. By you.